0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRank Sports and Fan Sided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. This is our Monday show, our President's Day show, and it's coming out a little bit later in the day because... Hopefully, most of you are not commuting today. Hopefully, you did not have to drive into work or take the bus to work or the train to work or whatever you normally do, and I still have to work because I don't, I don't have a nine-to-five office job. I have to be on the internets. I have to be talking sports. I have to be writing about sports, so I'm happy to work so that I can provide something for you if you do have to work, and if you don't, hopefully, you're just enjoying this. And maybe you're listening to it now on Tuesday on your way to work. I appreciate that. There are a couple stories that I want to talk about today uh, that relate directly to the Packers wide receivers. And we haven't done a full offseason review on them yet. Um, I think it will will be something that we'll do before we hit free agency because I think Green Bay ends up being a player in free agency there. Let's start with a, a statistic that that got passed around a lot over the weekend and that I ended up writing about for Acme Packing Company. And that was the NFL keeps what are called next-gen stats. And they're based on uh, tracking data that they put together, the league puts together in terms of tracking players, tracking the ball. They, They keep the best air yards. They keep the best Um, statistics when it comes to speed. They track player speed, which is really cool. Uh, And and so they came out with a stat that, that tracked receiver separation. And they ranked the team. So the average separation that a receiver had when the ball was thrown. Where was the receiver in relation to a defender when the ball was thrown? And this has been a common criticism of Mike McCarthy And of these receivers. And I have been the kind of person who has insisted over the last two years that the receiver's inability or supposed inability to get open is way overstated. It is. There were were games, I remember last year, there's one in particular I can remember that was done by Phil Simms and Jim Nance. And Phil Simms kept saying, look, no one's open. And I, I stopped the screen I was re-watching the game, and I went, Phil, what are you talking about? Everyone is open. Are they wide open? No. But are they open by NFL standards? Yeah. I seem to recall one even was wide open. So this idea that the Packers receivers are not getting open is usually based on the premise that Aaron Rodgers is holding the ball. Here's the problem with that. For much of 2015 and for, for about half of 2016, Rodgers was a little bit jumpy in the pocket. He was missing open receivers. He was holding the ball too long, trying to create a little bit too often outside of the scheme of the offense, a little bit too much backyard football. And I think 2015 was when that started with with Jordy Nelson's injury. It's just so clear that his relationship with Nelson is is in a place that it's not with anybody else. And he just he doesn't trust consistently guys to get open except for Jordy. In In 2016, that started to change when he started to trust Devontae Adams a little bit more and when he started to throw to Jared Cook a little bit more. But what these next-gen statistics found is that I'm right. No, they well, they did find that, but they found that the Packers in 2017 were actually 14th in football at most separation created per throw. So average separation, 14th. They were just a spot behind the Los Angeles Rams, run by Sean McVay, a a coach who won Coach of the Year because he, he created this enormous turnaround with the Rams, catapulted Jared Goff, reinvigorated Todd Gurley, made a damn good receiver out of Robert Woods, did all of these things, was called basically a genius. And here, this genius-level offense is just a tick ahead, and we're talking hundredths of a yard ahead of the Packers' offense. Now, you say 14th. Well, that's average. Yeah, that's average. It's actually slightly above average. So this idea that the Packers' receivers, which at the end of 2016 everyone seemed to agree were really good because Jordy Nelson had put up all those touchdowns. Devontae Adams had his breakout season. Randall Cobb is solid. Ty Montgomery, they've got weapons. And then suddenly it was like, oh, everyone sucks again. But the reality was not bearing that out. And early in the season, guys were getting open and Rodgers was finding them. And it was, it was building on what we saw at the end of last year when Rodgers went full God mode and just tore the league apart. So what this actually tells me is the Packers' offense, and I, look, I have been a critic of Mike McCarthy's offense over the last few years, and all of the isolation routes and not scheming guys free, but they had done a much better job with that this year in 2017. All the rub routes, the pick plays... I mean, we went over it on this podcast. Some of those calls at Atlanta were terrible, and and turned the game in that Week Two matchup. I, I think it also has to be noted that most of these throws came with Brett Hundley at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, when he's playing, is gonna is gonna find the moments. He's gonna find the matchups, and in perfect timing, he's gonna get the throw out. At least most of the time. In all likelihood, you'd expect that he would find the optimum window for guys to get open, right? But he's also going to throw into tighter windows. If you look at some of the teams that are the lowest on this list, someone like the Patriots, part of that is because Tom Brady is going to throw into tight windows and he can make those throws. Aaron Rodgers throws into tight windows all the time. So I don't think you could ever expect the Packers to be, you know, top 3, top 4, top 5 just because Rodgers is going to attempt throws that no one else would. But Brett Hundley's impact on these numbers. Brett Hundley threw late all the time and that closes down windows. There's the famous Detroit infamous probably Detroit screenshot that that went around in that in that night game when when Hundley misses Jordy Nelson streaking down the field and ends up taking a sack. If he's missing open guys or getting to open guys late, corners have the opportunity to close those windows down. So really, probably, if you went just by separation when the ball should have been thrown, the Packers probably would have been, you know, 10, 11, 12, probably ahead of the Rams. The Packers were also just up one spot ahead of the 49ers. In an offense with Kyle Shanahan, again, considered a a quarterback and an offensive genius. An innovative playmaker. Now, all of this is not to say that I think this offense is perfect or that it was brilliant. No. I think the, the issues with it have been overstated. Now, I do hope, all that said, I hope that Joe Philbin comes in and reinvigorates this offense. Brings in a little bit more multiplicity a little bit more creativity, and can find a way to use these pieces in a way that makes sense. Now, again, the Packers, Rob Domofsky wrote about this right after I I talked about it on the show. Maybe Ty Montgomery moves back to receiver. That's something we're going to talk about next. But first, I want to talk to you about pro football focus and our Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value that gets you access behind the paywall. And I've had some questions about this. The entire lockdown Podcast network enters into these contests. So again, we haven't had a Packers winner yet. I hope to have one soon. I'd love to have some more reviews. I'd love to have more people entered into the contest, but if you've already entered, rest assured you are still in the running to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That gets you access to player grades, charts, tools, all sorts of data that I use in my writing every day. You could use for fun, for fantasy football, for myriad reasons. Name, Twitter handle, in a review of this podcast on iTunes to enter. It's really that easy.
1: David Harrison here, the locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings. Good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
0: Now, the other story that came out uh, about the Packers receivers has been out for about the last week, two weeks. And that is this this growing belief that the Packers are going to cut one of Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. This had been out there. NFL.com had put this out there. Greg Rosenthal about a week ago suggesting that the Packers were going to move on. It was too expensive. Now, Jordy Nelson, again, has said he would take a pay cut. Whether or not the Packers want to do that is, is obviously an open question. We don't know the answer to that. How much space do they want to create for Aaron Rodgers? How much space do they want to create to go after the receivers in this free agent class? Because there are some guys worth targeting. Can they afford to just ditch one of these guys and move on? Can Devontae Adams carry an offense? We don't know the answers to that. So again, over the weekend, Ian Rappaport reported he would be surprised. That was his word, surprised. If the Packers kept both Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, he suggested that Cobb was the more likely candidate to be cut. I laid out on this show a couple weeks ago why I think that is the most likely scenario should they cut one of them. Now, I think the more likely move is they go to Randall Cobb and they say, we'd like you to take a pay cut. Here's what we'd like to do terms wise. And as I said at the time, if you're willing to do that, you have to be willing to say, if you don't accept these terms, we will release you, and you're not going to get paid on the open market. What we're going to give you, what we're prepared to give you. So you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to offer under what he's being paid now, and yet still over what you believe the market to be, and then Randall Cobb and his representatives have to decide. Can we get more? Is that is there Are there better opportunities for us elsewhere? And I think if they're being honest, they would have to look at the situation and say, the best place for us is in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers in an offense that we know with coaches that know us and our strengths. That makes the most sense to me if I'm the one whispering in Randall Cobb's ear and I'm the one taking 10% off his contract. I'd like to stay in Green Bay with the best quarterback in football. Thank you very much. But that may not be the calculation here. To me, Randall Cobb is the player they are most able to replace. He is the most replaceable of these receivers because they have Ty Montgomery who can replace some of that versatility, some of the, let's put him in the backfield, let's split him out wide. Ty Montgomery played in the slot a lot as a rookie before he got hurt. Jordy Nelson can play in the slot. Devontae Adams can play anywhere on the field, though you probably prefer him outside just because you have other guys who can play in the slot. Trevor Davis can play in the slot. Now, we don't know if Trevor Davis is an actual NFL player. Unfortunately, my sinking suspicion is that he's not. But it is easier to replace that guy than the outside receiver. Plus, Jordy Nelson continues to be a red zone threat in this offense because of Aaron Rodgers. And so long as that is true, then you live with some of the other limitations that he has. He essentially can become, I mean, I made i made a half joke about it. What is the value of Bubba Franks in this offense? But the reality is Nelson has value in the red zone. He has value on third down when the Packers know they can rely on him to get six yards of separation. When Rodgers knows he can throw him a back shoulder. Now, if his speed continues to wane, maybe corners play him differently. Maybe they play him a little bit more aggressively and those back shoulder throws get a little bit easier to defend if you're not worried about him going over the top. Maybe. We don't know what the thinking is is here. It is hard for me to believe with the understanding that Aaron Rodgers is frustrated, the understanding that the organization, Mike McCarthy, is frustrated with the lack of success, that they cleaned house with the coaching staff, and they're going to now cut one of their most reliable veteran players, their most consistent veteran players with Jordy Nelson, I find that hard to believe. Randall Cobb's play has fallen off a cliff. It just has. We haven't seen the dynamic, explosive version of Randall Cobb since 2014. This is, this is the risk you run with someone at his size who plays the physical brand of football that he plays. The Packers were, were lucky to get him at such a young age. He produced at a high level. He has been a model Packer, a model player, person, role model, pillar of the community, great friends with Aaron Rodgers. But everyone understands this is a business. Would someone sign him? Yeah, absolutely they would. But to me... The same reason that you can allow Randall Cobb to walk is the same reason I have no interest in signing Jarvis Landry. I joked about this the other day. The Harold Landry, Jarvis Landry, Harold Landry, pass rusher, Boston College in this upcoming draft. Jarvis Landry, receiver for the Miami Dolphins. If I'm talking about one of them on Twitter, assume it's Harold. I have no interest in Jarvis Landry. Slow, slot only receiver that I need to manufacture touches for. He's good with the ball in his hands. He can do some things, but if I want a receiver to average 10 yards a catch, I'm just going to stay with Randall Cobb. But I think if you look at Ty Montgomery's situation, the fact that if you combine this discussion, should he move back, with this discussion in the media from, from people who know things about the unlikely event of keeping... Two guys. I think the unlikely event is that the Packers keep Nelson and Cobb at their current numbers. With that, I would totally agree. Now, now Rappaport has people that he trusts, people who know things. He is as hooked into the Packers organization as anyone, maybe more so than even the local beat guys. And so he knows things. But that could also be a leverage play by someone within the organization to say, look, we're happy to move on from you. So either you rework this deal with us or we're just going to cut you. And it's hard to look, you know, at a guy who is 5'10", 190, who struggled with injuries over the course of his career, hasn't played 16 games since 2014. In 2015, he only he had 79 catches on 129 targets. 10 and a half yards a catch. In 2014, he had two fewer targets but 12 more catches and 300 No, excuse me, 400 More yards, 450 more yards. Averaged four more yards a catch, twice as many touchdowns, and had a 10% better catch rate. I mean, he's—it it is sad to say for a player who is only 27, but his peak season was 2014. He went to the Pro Bowl, and he has gotten progressively worse since then. Ten and a half yards a catch, 10.2 yards a catch, 9.9 yards per catch. I don't care what offense you run. I don't care who the quarterback is. If you're a starting receiver in the NFL that gets 90 targets and you average under 10 yards a catch, I mean that's, those are tight end numbers. And so maybe the Packers, if they can go and get a guy like Christian Kirk in the draft, one of my favorite players in the draft. We're gonna we're gonna do a comprehensive receiver review at some point. This is not that point because there's so much meat on these particular bones. But we'll we'll get to their play last year. And what should happen moving forward. Hopefully I don't get preempted by the news of the Packers cutting one of these guys. But that could be where we are. I don't know. I would like to see this team add speed. I think the most likely place to do that would be a slot-like spot. There are receivers in this draft. Most of them on the smaller side who are probably slot receivers who could bring that kind of speed. This is why I think it's possible and perhaps likely that the Packers' plan is to move Ty Montgomery back to receiver. If if we see them cut one of these players, I think it's a fait accompli. It's a done deal. Montgomery is going to play mostly receiver, which is fine. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further, with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See slash Fuel Your Fandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated.
2: This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting, battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. That comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com/one. That's p h i l i p s dot com slash o n e.
0: A couple notes as we get out of here: there are going to be some players coming up here in the next couple weeks that end up getting cut. Big name players. The Chiefs are not bringing back Derek Johnson. The Texans are going to cut Brian Cushing. Those are guys at the linebacker position where the Packers probably feel like they can upgrade. Aging, oft-injured veteran linebackers, it's just not the Packers' MO. That is just not a place where you want old guys. I respect the hell out of Derek Johnson. Really underrated player. Really underrated career. And maybe he could come in and help the Packers on a limited basis on first and second down. But I think what you'd rather have is you'd rather bring some young players in and get them long term better there are going to be other players in it's basically the M- the NFL's version of the NBA buyout market these these veteran players who are getting cut and are therefore not contractually unrestricted free agents in the comp pick sense so the packers would not have to risk any compensatory future picks next year to sign them this is where the packers have made some signings before And so I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that happens, especially someone like Josh Sitton becomes available. But for right now, Derek Johnson and Brian Cushing, that's a no. I don't think it makes sense for Green Bay to do that, especially with the the quality of linebackers in this draft. You look at someone like Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, Malik Jefferson. I have been and will continue to be a huge advocate for this team to get younger and more athletic on defense. So old, slow guys, no thanks. All right, we'll be back on Wednesday. I like the Monday-Wednesday format. We will do that. Um, and we will uh, continue our off-season reviews. It will not be receiver. Haven't decided yet what it's going to be, but uh, we will we will do an off-season positional review. If you want me to do a, a positional review, you know, as we go through this process, I'm trying to do about one a week. But if there is a position you want me to do, let me know. And if there are players in the draft you want to hear about, if there are free agents you want to talk about, let me know. At Peter underscore Bukowski, at Lockdown Packers, hit me up. Let me know what you want to hear about because I'm happy to, to dig into some of those things. Been getting great feedback on the, especially the draft part of what we've been doing in these offseason reviews, looking at the players available in the draft. I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to watch these guys. I've I've been through about the consensus top 50 players. I think there's about 19 worth taking in the first round. Or at least definitely worth taking in the first round. That's a low number. But then there's 13 or 14 other players that I think are borderline first or second. So do I think it, it makes sense for the Packers to trade back into the first? This is an interesting concept that we're going to talk about later in the week. Uh, because it, it it piqued my interest, and I, I I may end up taking a look at it from a an analytical standpoint for Acme Packing Company at some point. But um, that, it was an interesting concept that I initially rejected, and then the more I thought about it, the more I liked the idea. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that as well. So uh, a Wednesday and then a Friday show, and then that'll be it. And we're a little bit closer. The combine is the first week in March. So we have some time to get our thoughts in order on that, to get some players on our radar. We will do that and a lot more. So stay
1: locked on Packers.